Hey everyone, and welcome back to Coffee and Cannabis, the series where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In the episode, I'll be having an in-depth conversation with Alex Popoff. Alex is a cannabis educator, an Air Force veteran, chief revenue officer, and co-founder of his company, Good Ideas. In the episode, we talk about the challenges of not yet having federal support and why many people in the cannabis space are flocking to Oklahoma. We also talk about the controversy behind multi-state operators and the legal disparity between individual states. And we talk about psychedelic medicine, cognitive liberty, and how we can reframe the drug crisis as a mental health crisis instead. Alex. Thanks so much for joining me. I wanted to start off by asking, um, you know, I, I found you through LinkedIn and I was impressed on how much you were commenting and posting and advocating for cannabis. And I wanted to know how you sort of got started and, you know, if you had any doubts that this was something that you wanted to do. Yeah, of course. I think most people would be lying if they kind of never doubted myself, right. never doubted my plan. This is how it is for day one. And I just ran with it. That would be <laughs> ridiculous. I actually started out more, probably more led by passion than I should have been. I know it right. sounds impossible, but from my own experiences with cannabis and seeing how getting off pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, especially the ones that are prescribed uh, more than they're needed, we'll say, um, has been so helpful to me that when I first decided, before posting on LinkedIn or anything, first decided I'm gonna publicly say I support cannabis. And this is a, someone who was um, a military police officer right. was in security and law enforcement for the Air Force for five years. And I just thought people wanted to get high. I'm kind of ashamed uh, to admit that, but I think part of helping other people understand is by admitting that you can change. So. I, I started going to local government meetings as a, you know, recently um, a medically retired military member, angry, uh, not really sure what, to, what I was going to say. And I just kind of ranted at them saying, it's ridiculous that you have banned a medical facility that dispenses a plant in right. this area, but I can drive across the line and go buy it. What you're doing <laughs> is you're, you're making it harder for people who need this the most. Mm. The people on in, that just want to take a, a, a CBD THC ratio tincture before bed and they're breathing through an oxygen tank in their living room. People that I personally know and, and some have died um, in this fight have really made me passionate. So that's really where I actually started. And then coming on to LinkedIn, I said, well, people on Facebook are trying to connect with friends and family and that's fine. Uh, they don't want the politics and they don't want to be bombarded with cannabis business information right. and news. So when I post things about the problems of the industry and maybe things that they never even thought could exist, um, I often hear people say, wow, I didn't know it was like that. I thought it was legal here. I thought you could grow the plant. You can't right. even home grow in most places still. So it's, you can't, and in some places that allow home grow, you can't get delivery. So there's just so many barriers that limit people who really need it. And as someone who was able to go out and learn and find it, um, it made me furious because I still have my own, I've had four back surgeries as well. And, uh, I, um, I'm not near like, uh, the, the, um, I'm not handy, bound to, handy, uh, to a wheelchair and as handicapped as uh, the other folks, but from seeing what they've went through, it just made me that much more furious. And, and the veterans that commit suicide daily, 22 a day on average in the United States, wow. you know, but cannabis is a schedule one drug, it's illegal. That's where my <laughs> passion for posting that stuff comes out, more so than business. It's really, I want to, I want to change people's hearts and minds. And um, I don't have the reach of all these Joe Rogan and Elon Musk and people, uh, but I can use what I have. 
hundred percent. And and that passion is coming from a really valid place. And that passion was also sort of bred from frustration, right? Right. Um, because you saw, I mean, so what was the the stance of on cannabis in the military? It was, I'm sure, completely banned for use. Yes, even CBD, even, yeah. uh, you know, if you had a CBD isolate compound, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, not compound, just CBD isolate, sure. no THC in it, um, it's still banned for use, explicitly banned. It's not even like, oh, if you test positive on a drug test, I mean, right. they will charge you for having CBD tincture, as crazy as it sounds. Now, there's been some potential for improvement, but I just haven't seen it yet. I've seen them double down more on saying it's not allowed. And uh, while I was in, people were kicked out for the use of it. Uh, there's guys I served with that they test positive for THC, they can't serve. But if they lived you know, in Canada, then it would be fine as long as they weren't intoxicated at work. I like Canada's approach, frankly. Yeah, and we're not doing, um, as far as I'm aware, we're not doing drug tests for, I mean, I, I have I personally don't know anyone that's getting drug tested at work in general. Um, you shouldn't be, you, unless it's yeah. absolute safety. And then, and then right. it always comes down to still don't hire people that are going to consume uh, intoxicants on the job. Sure. And, you know, there's measures to check for that. I yeah. think a thing that the, the um, legislature often uses as a crutch to say, well, I would before legalization. But at least in the U.S., they say that because of federal law, the disconnect makes it so it's untenable like right. businesses that may want to allow cannabis consumers and patients to work for them because they're receiving federal funding for something or they're a part of a drug-free america program whatever it is mm-hmm. they can't do it or they'll lose their their health insurance or they'll lose Crazy. some sort of coverage or insurance so there just has to be a lot of change and i really get frustrated when people are like yay the more act i mean all the more act is going to do is allow states to continue to legalize. But that's already, since the coal memo and the government kind of became hands-off, that's already been the case. Now, mm-hmm. descheduling is major. Descheduling would be great. That's um, the dream. With the more, yeah, yeah, but it's just, it still doesn't stop there because yeah. you're still gonna have, you know, just like with alcohol, we have dry counties mm-hmm. and hey, that's their decision to hurt themselves economically and people are just gonna use other drugs or go buy alcohol elsewhere, right. but frankly, I think cannabis needs to be a fundamental right for humans. It's that cognitive liberty. It's the freedom to yep. choose what medicine you want to put in your body and what you do not want to consume. And if it's not harming anyone else, I think it's actually inhumane yeah. to be restricting what someone can use. You're only harming and you're only you're only fueling gangs. You're only fueling black market exactly. um, cannabis. You're only fueling people that are growing under unsafe conditions. Um, it, it's absolutely crazy and that that is still in effect and that those those laws are still in effect and that people are still voting against bills to legalize or deschedule right. cannabis, right? Right. Um, and it, it's, it's insane because it is happening in some states. Like you said, if you, like, look at California. California has been working on it forever, right? Um, where they they brought in um, sort of a, a workaround, a, a medical cannabis model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but me and you have talked about, well, what happened there was, it, it was a great preliminary step. Um, but the, the unfortunate part is that when you have recreational patients that want to, uh, use cannabis, and now that there's a medical system in place, they'll sort of bypass, um, and you'll hear the the classic, "Oh, it's it's anxiety, bro," and that's why they're <laughs> using, you know, quote unquote, medical cannabis. Back um, pain, but no diagnosis. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I have I've had surgeries I can understand, but it's uh, it, yeah. it's like the pain pill mills. It's like any yeah. other substance. You exactly. know, people will find a way. Um, but I see the I see both sides to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it as a dichotomy of you have 
the theory, uh, bear with me, all use is medicinal. And now I, I see that in its own dichotomy of, well, if you say that, then you could say other plants, if someone wants to use them, then suddenly it's all medicinal. I think that's a slippery right. slope, um, both to, again, I see both sides. Um, so I, I look at it like this. It doesn't matter why someone wants to use it. Mm because it should be the right to experiment. It should be the right to determine what works for them. Sure. And we don't want to call something medical, uh, even if all use is medical, if there's people that are simply outright exclaiming online, in person, and in line at the stores, what, does this stuff fire? Is this going to get me high? Right. Did you get a good buzz? Or you see online, I rate this dispensary one out of five, no effect, smoke three <laughs> joints, I didn't even get high. I'm like, yeah. okay, hear me out. Maybe high, maybe you're the problem, not the mm. product. And believe me, there's plenty of yeah. Low, less than quality products, but mm -hmm. it, if just trying to get obliterated is your goal, then that sounds more like alcohol self-medicating, and that's right. not what I want to right. condone. That's, so I would say use, this is a yeah. wellness program. Mm -hmm. This is an adult use program. This is a um, a free use program. You know, we're not selling to children. That's the glory of the legalization: is right. that you put it into checking IDs, a re well-regulated market. Right. Yeah, it, it's crazy, and that's what excites me. Um, about having regulated bodies like in Canada I'm so grateful we have licensed producers which I'm sure you're familiar with mm -hmm. um, and that are producing products that are tested they're regulated they're relatively consistent it depends who you go to um, mm -hmm. but at least you know what you're getting um, and a lot of them are even being more transparent about their lab tests even putting terpenes on bottles um, mm -hmm. which is fantastic so I'm not quite. I'm not really familiar with the the state of affairs in the states. Are there cannabis companies sort of um, nationwide, or are there yes. specific brands in certain states? Like, what what does that look like? That's funny. I just made a rant about how oh, I do not support the massive multi-state operators uh, here in the U.S. Yeah, tell me why. The short so. Short one sentence. Uh, well, I believe that they're a, a net negative, and a net negative term i mean uh, in the sense that they're going to hyper commoditize things into uh these consumer packaged goods they're gonna uh advocate for hyper regulated markets so that the black market is unfortunately going to still exist and you could say well why would they do that it's because they don't know what they're doing they know other businesses they know other industries and then they come into cannabis and they right. they uh, it's gotta be the same thing right Right, exactly, and it's not. And I hate it because there's people that I value and talk to in the industry all the time, and they keep getting into this uh, this dogma that if it worked in Coca-Cola, it's gonna work in cannabis. Right. But it's not the same industry, it's not the same good, and the consumers are different. The patients, there's patients, there's people passionate. It's not just someone drinking a soda or going to the grocery store. And I think what's frustrating is these people are looking at, I said I was gonna do one sentence, but then you said why. <laughs> so they look, they, they look at a grocery grocery store and see all these goods and they think cannabis is going to be in there with it and I hope it is someday too it should you know I think there's going to be over-the-counter yeah. uh, CBD and THC oils that, everywhere I hope it stays regulated and hope so it stays in dispensaries so I I want it to be everywhere but I want everyone to have a chance to compete so um fair my problem with these companies is they donate money to a charity, uh, you know, to release cannabis prisoners, hooray. But then in the states that they're operating in, they're not doing anything for the people there. So they, they do PR. this PR move. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's good because it's better that the money goes there than nowhere. But my problem is they do this and then they stab themselves and the patients in the back and say, we are going to lobby against HomeGrow. So they so just think about this. These are multi-million dollar companies. They have a lot of power. And when they when they go to the governor or the state legislature, 
legislature and states in the U.S. and say, hey, we're a licensed cannabis company in your state and 20 other ones in the U.S. We serve millions of people. Uh, we don't support home grow. It's dangerous. Right. They're going to listen. <laughs> They're going to say, okay, well, this is a cannabis company saying not even to do it. So then when, when the patient says, why can't I home grow? They're like, even your companies, their cannabis companies themselves don't say it's worth it. Mm. You know, so um, that is disgusting to me. And then they, the, the people that have been put in jail for cannabis, they're often excluded because mm. the programs require business owners and growers, you know, pass these background checks that literally explicitly exclude people just for having cannabis charges. So if you know how to if you know how to use cannabis and sell it and right. grow it, chances are if you've been caught, you can't legally get back in. Right. So, but if you have if you haven't been caught, you, you, congratulations. All right. So you're you you have an advantage if you are privileged, if you've grew up for money, if you've never had to, um, you know, if you've never worked in the illicit market or never got caught, then oh, there you yep. go. You have the advantage, and a lot of them they don't know what they're doing. Um, and I saw that in, in Canada a lot. So I, I worked um, in the medical space before it was legal for rec. Um, and nice. what I saw was a lot of these companies said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll supply, you know, medical product. And like you said, though, it was just dry. There was like the oils had no terpenes. They were like 10 milligrams per milliliter. Like, yep. that's not going to do anything for oh. anybody, right? Exactly. Um, and a lot of these companies, <laughs> what I found was once rec was legal they just shipped all their product that was supposed to go to medical patients to rec and a lot of, of medical course. patients had shortages who they they were the ogs they were the ones that needed help from day one right um and it was a really really kind of gross um phenomenon of switching from medical to rec i agree and we see that in the u.s actually in states that go uh like colorado uh, California, a lot of these yeah. states, you know, they got they had something that worked. As much as I say it's bad to say it's just medical and and mm -hmm. uh, kind of delegitimize the people really using it for that. I don't think that it's actually hurting anything besides the image from a PR point of view. And it, right. and it's it is only minor because it, it does do a thing where it gives people time to warm up to cannabis and see. Oh, okay, the kids are all right. People aren't dying in the streets. It's not chaos. Okay, we can do adult use now. So I think it's unfortunately just become one of those. It's how it is things and I, I don't necessarily love it but um but that's how i see these big companies too it's that they're they're uh, they're normalizing it they have a standardized process you, you know they have that customer ex consumer cannabis user experience where you go in and you get your products and it's a brand you know people people spend money on branding so it's like apple you, you pay more for the apple watch you always buy. A lot of people do it, and uh, even my school, the, the the products that they put out to the students, it's, it's an Apple MacBook. Mm -hmm. So people people and institutions are willing to use that. And, and when I look at research, they're picking these big companies. They're not using the crop from a mom and pop shop. Mm -hmm. So I still don't see the. I, I, I'm trying to be optimistic, but I'm trying to be as yeah. real as possible and say that the, I, I think you're right when you said 10 to 20 years, maybe for the for the research to really come back in a, in a renaissance in a good way. Um, the U.S. just is um, voted um, and again, it passed the House, might not pass the Senate to allow cannabis from a dispensary in the U.S. to be used in research. Right. That could be incredible. But again, what are they going to use? They're going to use cure leaf or are they going to use a real quality crop? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know if you mind like paying for something if you know you're getting something of quality. It's it's a thing. It's that it's uh, I wish I could quote the guy directly. 
Uh, it's, you know, it's nothing's radical or revolutionary if the poor can't access it. And again, like I said, I wish I could quote the, the uh, author of that quote, but craft cannabis, if it's just, if it's just an extension of the government or an extension of a big licensed producer, uh, like it is in some places in the U S at least where you'll not necessarily the government, uh, being a producer like elsewhere, but in the U S you'll see these big multi-state operators and they'll say, Oh, we have a social equity program. Oh, we have a craft cannabis thing. And then it's just not the same thing. So it's like you said, it, it, I am willing to pay but am, am I willing to use it as my primary medicine all the time? I, I frankly, I have to grow on my own. I'm, I'm willing, I'm moving to another state here right. in the U.S. to yeah. be able to because I, I can't just pay for the top craft stuff. And Florida, frankly, doesn't have it. Yeah. Some of these vertically integrated companies where they, you know, cultivate, process, dispense, deliver everything with their products, they're... They don't have they they have a you know a cultivar collection they have a crap they have a uh, a grower series and they just charge ten or twenty dollars more per eighth. Right. There's nothing special to it. Right. So it's 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 great that uh, Canada has some true craft and micro grows. Um, the U.S. they definitely exist. Oklahoma, tons of them, probably too many too many to be supported by really? the uh, by the current infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they need processors and they need waste removal, which you have to legally dispose of this you know dangerous plant. <laughs> there, there are so many so many ways to get involved in a place when they actually allow you to go forth and sink or swim. You know, let the right. let the uh, consumer decide what what business will live, because I think it's better to put that stress of win or lose on the business than on the consumer. When you let in these companies that are too big to fail, the consumer always loses. When you have businesses that are fearful of the consumer and the patient, the consumer wins. And when they can grow, they don't need to rely on going in and buying your trim and shake and low quality stuff. Yeah, competition should lead to innovation, right? There was this hype, there was this huge sort of you know, excitement around it. And then it dropped off. And now I think we're going to start picking ourselves up again as the dust settles. And I think really the brands that are innovating and that are caring about the consumers are going to come out on top. Right. I agree. I like to think optimistically, but also, but be real that while the average, so the problem in the U S is we have these markets where the only thing they know is the black market, or maybe they or a friend or family member went out West or whatever they, you know, they went to Colorado or saw rec market mm-hmm. and they think they know cannabis. And as usual, not trying to uh, insult anyone or make any friends, but <laughs> people don't, people don't know what they don't know. Right. Uh, they, they're going to buy these vape carts that are trash, mm. just plant terpenes, cheap extraction right. quality, uh, probably probably going to irritate their throats, but they'll say it's fire. 90% right. THC, can't go wrong. Right. 99%, that's what's, yeah. it's, it's, it is not, it's closer to a pharmaceutical than a plant extract when they do all that. Yeah. And it's fine. I use some of it sometimes, but sure. these, they, they're going to buy, they're, exactly. And yeah. these people are going to buy it up like it's Coca-Cola, just right. like these uh, chads, I call them, the business people that, <laughs> that don't, the that don't actually get it. They don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it. But you know what? Uh, that's not longevity. That's exactly. what I keep calling the, the net negative. Okay. You've, you've established a brand. You've showed people how great you are. The problem is it's not longevity. How is it's not sustainable? sustainable. How is that sustainable? It's not, it's yeah. not sustainable. Yeah. Um, that's so, so interesting to me, the disparity and sort of the, the isolation between states. There's almost like, it, it, there's almost like no communication, I feel, and no like there isn't. cross-state no. work. Like, well, it's still not, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just no, going to no. say, it's still, not, it's still not legal and that's what, it's so frustrating. How does that, how does that make any sense, man? And 
I know even um, some Canadians, this is pre-COVID, that went to California and were saying, oh my God, California's market is, that their product is just so much better than anything we have in Canada, right? And we still have so much room to catch up. So it's crazy that you could go to one state versus another and the quality that you run into is, is completely different. Not even just the quality, the legality is so different. Right. It's like, you could, I, I mean, I'm no legal expert, correct me if you've had a different experience, sure. but for the most part, when you travel from one place in your in Canada to another, you know, um, you, you guys have different provinces, you of course have different local governments and stuff, but you, you wouldn't be slapped in the face with like several years of prison time and all this for, ha- you know, for having one thing in one area, you can't have in another. My friend, like, I... We, you know, I know what I'm talking about, but, but, but other people be like, what? What is that? I'm like, yeah. well, you're going to have a plant in this state and cross an imaginary line. You're a felon. That's not normal. It's just what we've come to accept. I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind. Um, I went to Quebec two times in the last year. I took my cannabis products on the plane in my carry-on. <laughs> the first time, though, um, I think I was flying to Calgary, and there was a sign, and this is pretty new legalization. There was a sign around like the security area that just said, hey, if you've got any cannabis products, just put it in your check-on in a plastic bag. Um, <laughs> See, that's awesome. And right. that's that's only in one place in the U.S. so far. Right. And it's still so fucked up because right. it's not real. It says uh, LAX in Los Angeles, California, they say you can have up to an ounce. Blah, blah. No, you can't. You're breaking federal law. The airport's just telling you we specifically don't care. Right. And then, so, <laughs> right. And that just further emphasizes the importance of federal support, right? Yes. Um, especially from banking, too. Um, if I understand correctly, certain states, banks don't support like cannabis dispensaries and they have to have vaults like with cash. Yes, yeah, so technically that's the case in all states. However, yeah. there are people that just don't follow the rules, and frankly, that's like the American spirit. Of course, <laughs> it's of just we're gonna we're gonna take our chances. That's so that, so, so the, a lot of a lot of banks find a way to be like, oh, we're a credit union, we're a state credit uh, union. So a state uh, credit union has some unique capabilities and leeway where they're not as tied into Federal Reserve Federal right. uh, banking rules. Uh, and then there's still the thing where all these banks have to technically they had to submit what's called a suspicious activity report so basically they have to narc rat snitch on on every on every grower that's like hey we like to open a cannabis account they have to get reported that's healthy yeah that's how you promote, it's just, promote it's just i think more of this u.s government does or does not do is just like it's just incompetence and ineptitude it's like it it, it I'll, I'll say this this is a definitely a tangent i am not an anarchist but i understand the <laughs> i understand the argument because good lord this if people are inherently faulted then yeah. why would you put them in charge of each other at a minimum if we're going to ensure the safety and like peace yeah stop outlawing plants stop yeah. saying this plants a harm you know come on yeah it just it, it's too much it's crazy and yeah, it's got to change. So like like we said, hopefully 10 years. And I, I think that's <laughs> like, personally, would... my, my bets are on within one to two years. Um, with Biden, there should be federal support, at least hopefully. decriminalization, which would do something. Um, yes. But that's my hope. Um, it's my hope for the stocks that I hold, too. Um, I'll speak that into existence because the second there is federal support, uh, I'm oh yeah looking forward to that payday. <laughs> it's I could see anything from threefold uh, yeah. improvements on your investment. If you put a hundred bucks in, you're gonna triple that <laughs> easy. Uh, I mean, um, what's been actually exploding is psychedelic stocks. 
lately. Yeah. Um, companies, especially in Canada, producing, um, like, growing psilocybin and doing, like, um, uh, LSD research and MDMA research. Yeah. That's kind of the next wave, I think. Like, I, after I love that, too. I love that stuff, too. My, my biggest problem there, and it's the same one I hold with cannabis, it's just with cannabis, I feel like we're too far gone. We're too commercialized mm. to say... Right. Let's take it back a step and be more to our roots, pun intended. Let's look back at this is plant and fungi. This is a medicine. We're uh, we're, exactly. So I'm not going to be the guy that's in the industry fighting the industry. Right. What I want to um, put out there, though, is how I feel is that it's with psychedelics, especially it's it shouldn't be that consumer good even more so it should that, that cpg it shouldn't be like you know you go buy a prepackaged psychedelic trip I, and i know that it is in some mm-hmm. places um officially or unofficially legally or not legally mm-hmm. uh but i think it's a better thing to have like instead of a dispensary where you go buy it maybe a place where you could also get treatment i like canada in the sense that like well i believe everyone should be able to freely access it. i'm just against a mass commercialization like right. i like that canada's focused on the patient so a terminally ill right. person is going to go get a, a, a clinician Fantastic. in a safe place they're going to put headphones on blindfold and sit there and relax and listen to music or mm-hmm. guided meditation and there's studies confirming that that's actually improving people's acceptance of being terminally ill. It's improving Months. their mental like, health. And even when you talk about veterans and, and, and PTSD that they've sustained, um, they've tried everything. And so they've opened up, um, this is in the States actually, I want to say yeah. back, back in the 60s or 70s where they did MDMA trials. Um, yep. And they, these patients with PTSD had incredible long lasting results after just one dose in therapy session but the importance is the therapy session to go along with yep, it and exactly. that's where I think these markets are going to differ is that you know as we mentioned um, we can you know have a THC beverage or just smoke half a joint to wind down but you don't hear people taking psilocybin large doses every single day microdosing is no. a different story um, of course but I think where the most value is is again through working through your problems because one of the big things that um, let's say MDN, MDMA does versus um, something like LSD or psilocybin, where it actually lowers your fear response. So you get yes. that openness, but you're able to really just talk about these things that you, you've you been pushing back and suppressing, which is why it's been so incredibly helpful for these PTSD patients. It's mind-blowing. Um, and I'm really excited for it. There's some clinics here in Canada. One of them is Field Trip Health, um, mm-hmm. where they want to expand to the states too. I believe they have offices in New York and um, I think they are in Los I'm Angeles. familiar with them. Oh, very little though. Yeah, yeah, they they do ketamine transfusions, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. And they their facilities they look like Apple stores, right? There's That's greenery. Awesome. There's big open bright spaces, and you're giving people a place um, to actually go and get help. Like let's say. Um, you thought you had the house to yourself for the for you know the weekend, and you go, okay, well, I'm just gonna take my large heroic mushroom dose so I can work <laughs> through my problems, and yeah. suddenly your girlfriend calls you and your dog got hit by a car. That's oh, no. nightmare fuel. You are exactly instantly going to a bad place, and that can have yeah. long-lasting negative consequences, right? Of course. So that controlled environment is what I'm really, really excited for. Um, I, I think it's so fascinating and it's kind of the next step past cannabis, right? 
Yeah, your example gave me chills because it's so good and so terrible at the same time. Right, I considered sorry. that. I know you no, it's great. <laughs> no, it's no, it's a great example because I, I'm really trying, um, as you can tell with my passion, I'm trying to learn how to, to use examples and uh, short stories mm-hmm. versus let me tell you about the study by so and so this right. year. And I get into this long thing. The best way I heard uh, the psychedelics described in a way of saying like, no, this isn't just a bunch of people trying to get high. Is that when there is drugs of abuse like cocaine, heroin, which frankly, number one, cocaine is a schedule two drug. It actually is used uh, topically for as an analgesic in the US and heroin's just a derivative, you know. Um, there's morphine and all sorts of fentanyl and things stronger, worse than heroin that are medicinal use. Uh, but basically they say that these drugs that are very addictive like cocaine nicotine actually heroin is like a roller coaster where someone wants to get on the ride and they don't want to get off mm-hmm. and they want to keep getting back on right. when you use a psychedelic it's like you're launching yourself out of a cannon and you don't want to you're not going to walk back to where you started and launch yourself again because For you already sure. got what you needed and it's going to be a last a lasting benefit on your life but the roller coaster you can't get off it you just want to stay on the roller you're just trying to ride the dra- find the dragon or chase the dragon whatever right. and that's harmful and, and and then when you couple that with the criminal justice system and the and socioeconomic factors, that's where most of the harm in drugs, I believe, comes from. It's not from the substance. Exactly. It's from how it's society, right. exactly. It's yeah. a society treating you away because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've, we've, I don't know about in the States, and I've probably said that 15 times in the last No, hour. it's fine. This is why we <laughs> learn from each other. I'm learning, we're learning from each other. Yeah. Um, at least in Canada, we've had some um, safe use sites pop up. Um, yeah. where people can, they, they use their, their substance and they have a shelter, they have a roof over them where they'll be safe. People are monitoring. There's nurses stand, on standby with Narcan, um, mm-hmm. which I, I think is fantastic. It's a great, very progressive approach, but a lot of people were against it. And a lot of people, especially on Facebook, um, yeah. were saying, <laughs> this is horrible. Now people are going to start doing drugs and now... <laughs> oh, suddenly they'll do right. them. Even when you look at cannabis consumption, they're like, everyone's going to smoke weed if they legalize it. Right. No, actually, you may see a short influx because people say, wow, you know, we have been lied to for decades, let's if not centuries. Yeah. And let's give it, let's see, it's not, it's, it's legal, it's safe, right. we're going to try it. Right. And that's a good thing. And now over time, it would probably come down to average consumption levels. And we see in the US, at least child consumption, youth consumption, teen consumption has gone down in places when they legalize it, because it allows the police there to focus on real issues. It allows them to cut out the black market, which right. is the only place that they can get the products because it is dispensary will ID them, a dealer will not. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I'm happy to hear more folks on the same page and understanding, but the, the, it's so frustrating. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like I'm shouting to the sky, which is why, I mean, this goes back to way when you were talking about before, about LinkedIn and having sort of these professionals who have the same opinion and who are invested, they're in the industry, um, and they understand kind of the, the, the complexities of, of legalization, right? right? Um, and you know, going back to safe use sites, that's exactly why a lot of people are against to legalizing all drugs, right? Um, it, particularly, it, there, there's no point of having something illegal just to arrest people for and just to incarcerate them and just to make their problem worse. It's it's a mental health crisis. It's not really a drug crisis, right? Um, I agree. And that again should hopefully, fingers crossed, start to look better <laughs> in, in the next 10, 20 years, right? Agreed. 
I hate the hyper partisanship. I don't know that if mm. I, I imagine Canada similar. It seems like it's all over the world. Uh, but sure. as far as Canada, like with Trudeau, I mean, he rushed the legalization and left it up to the provinces, is what everyone's told me in Canada. And it's and it's it's not a great program. There's still a black market. It's still yeah. too the taxes are too high, um, and the government the government sold cannabis couldn't even turn a profit when they were the only legal sellers in the entire province. Yeah. Are Far you familiar with that story? Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I think there the government is the problem with cannabis, not, right. not you know, not the people. Yeah. I do keep in mind. Yeah. I, I've heard that a lot of times and I've, I've spoken to enough people to get some good perspective. And I think at least it's something right. Um, we're, I mean, it's just, at least it was um, when we first legalized, it was just us in Uruguay that were federally legal yeah. for recreational yeah. use. That's pretty huge. Um, yeah. <laughs> so was it perfect? No. Should they have left all the the, the provinces to kind of make their own rules and regulations and get to decide how many dispensaries there are? Uh, no. Um, but it's something. And I can, the, the fact of the matter is I can go online right now to the OCS.ca. It's the Ontario Cannabis Store. I can pick mm -hmm. out uh, a products that lead up to 30 grams and then it'll be at my door in one to two days or i walk down the street to <laughs> a dispensary and yeah. walk out with whatever i need right and you can grow it too right you can legally grow anybody it, yeah a... anybody can grow um four plants at home which okay is more than enough as far as i'm concerned i've never tried especially if you get a medical card you can get more limits though right right yeah so i've processed when back when i worked in medical i've processed quite a few applications and I've had some people grow up to 50, 60. Um, nice. It, it, again, it's, but you just have to go through the paperwork, right? Yeah, that's um, fine. That's not too inhibitory. If it, yeah. it, you know, as long as they've got a way to accommodate for people that are too sick to go through all that, you know, right. it's like, yeah, it's not bad. And that kind of goes back to a question we had talked about in our first discussion, which was why Oklahoma? Right. So <laughs> from Florida. <laughs> It's got the, it's just got the, it's kind of a sweet spot for what I'm trying to do. So I'm currently located in Tampa, Florida, um, medical patient here using it for chronic pain and mental health. Um, got, it's got me off tons of pharmaceuticals that the military was more than happy to pump me full of for free. So, you know, um, and I just got sick of Florida. You know, I really got involved when I first got out of the military in uh, December 2017. I really got involved um, starting January 2018 with uh, networking with going to the, even going to the state capitol um, and and essentially lobbying on behalf of myself and other medical patients and veterans and with groups of veterans and nonprofits and uh, organizations like that advocacy groups and I just basically was like how how is this still illegal like I'm blown away I, for for my whole life I, I you know I kind of I guess I agreed with you all that this you know but from from speaking about it more, I just became more passionate and, and eventually from fighting this uphill battle of going to the Capitol, going to small town uh, city council meetings, county meetings, um, talking to any lawmaker um, from the local level to state and federal. Um, it just there wasn't enough change. And as much as we could do, like from giving um, we uh, organization I work with gave over 500 free medical cards to disabled veterans in Florida. 
it just still wasn't enough because we'd get these guys their cards and then they're like, well, where do I go? Mm. Right. <laughs> and and, right. and what we initially had wanted to make our program be about was getting these guys started with homegirls, these guys and gals, all these veterans, um, fellow veterans involved in growing cannabis because the growing itself is the holistic part. It's the, it's the therapy of mm. checking on your plants. It's the therapy of picking what cultivars you're going to grow. It's yeah. the therapy. It's that hands and veterans that were also attention to detail focused, but our brain, a lot of times our brains are all over the place and we just want something that we can we can have a hobby that's something different and it's not going to remind us of all the stuff we hate and, and stress us out and and growing a plant that heals your body is just it's the best thing that i can think of hmm. and from talking to other veterans that have experienced it and and some of my own experimentation will say um i it's it's more than enough of a reason to go somewhere i can legally do it and in the in retrospect it's going to open up more business opportunities for my girlfriend and i uh, she's big into the edibles and all of that, and uh, currently in culinary school. And uh, and I and I love the marketing and business development side, and I, I love the uh, politics and trying to advocate for improvement. So mm-hmm. Oklahoma is going to be a better shot than Florida. Um, Florida is where my roots are and my family, so this will always be home. Uh, it may just be that we we spend a couple years over there growing uh, legally and safely and learning more about it. So um, their market is just ideal for this. Right. So. Yeah, and Oklahoma, you said, is very cheap for, for like a commercial cultivation license, right? It's inexpensive to buy a house. It's inexpensive right. to rent an apartment. In general, it's in, yeah. It's inexpensive. There's not enough people. Uh, but what they do have is cannabis-friendly laws. And while I don't see recreational springing up overnight, mm-hmm. uh, two to three years maybe, um, right. probably before the next presidential election at yeah. least. And and in the meantime, they're just grinding. There's so much, so many growers, so many people, so many patients. That over 10% of the population are patients now. So wow, I- that's greater per capita than maybe anywhere like you said at the beginning you know we when we when we're cannabis uh patients consumers it's so it's tough to talk about sometimes because some people are like don't call us consumers don't but it's easy to talk about because we'll always have that in common and when i move out there i'm on linkedin talking to people in tulsa oklahoma city all the big we're really the only two big towns there (laughs) that's where everyone lives there's only two people in other areas but um you know i'm coming from a state of 22 million to 3 million i'm coming from a state of vertically integrated extremely strict cannabis licenses to one of the most uh, laissez-faire programs in the world (laughs) and I can't wait so I'm looking at hey can I find veterans there that want to learn how to grow and can we learn together can we find someone maybe already doing something like this and uh, and work together yeah, I don't want to reinvent it if they've already got it. But um, ultimately, they you know they charged. Um, speaking on the licenses specifically, they charge twenty five hundred for whether you're a commercial grower, processor, meaning edibles and extraction, or uh, if you're a retail dispensary, twenty five hundred. There's no limit on the only the only limit is if you if you have one address for your retail store and you want to make more of them, you just pay another twenty five hundred. That is by far less. Florida costs millions just for the application. That's crazy. And, and you have to have everything in writing, everything ready to go. At one point, you had to own a nursery for thirty years before applying. <laughs> what? And then the, and then yeah oh yeah I know it sounds funny I should get yeah the, oh you have to have a nursery over 30 years it grows 400,000 plants That's so naturally tons of lo- tons of lawsuits and the, and the and the the people suing the state say come on 
you guys don't know how to grow weed. Yeah. How are you going to claim that if you own a nursery that grows tomatoes for 30 years right, and right, 400,000 right. of them, that you're uniquely qualified to grow a plant that's been illegal since 1937? I'm sorry. I'm not going to fall for that. I think what you actually need is people who don't have any of that. But but that's how it is in Florida. That's crazy. And Florida's, it's is it only medical? It's not rec? Yes. And it's only medical. Right. Oklahoma's uh, the same how thing. It, Yes. However, and, and here's how they differ. Florida, you have to be you have to be dying essentially to get the card, right. or your doctor can say you have a similar condition mm. to one of the rated ones. So what that does is it delegitimizes PTSD. It delegitimizes uh, multiple sclerosis right, because right. you got all these people diagnosed with all the stuff they don't have, and. Mm. A lot of people don't like people talking about that. They're like, you know, like we said at the beginning, all uses medicinal. This, I believe they should all have a card, mm-hmm. but frankly, they shouldn't need the card. Better yet, I believe we should all right. have access to cannabis. Yeah. You don't need the card. It's, that it's, solves um, the problem immediately. I'm, I'm a medical user and I don't want to, I don't want a card. I don't want right. anything more than I, than I need. Right. So I've just paid over $200 to be as legal as I can. Not even right. in Florida. I, I paid $100 for an out of state card so I could be legal in Oklahoma. And from what I read online, I thought it would take a month or more to get to me. So I applied before my road trip well in advance. It came too soon. So now I'm like, damn, they're, they're too quick i didn't see this coming <laughs> so, so it so I, I say okay i'll pay another hundred so i try to apply it says we're sorry you cannot apply until seven days till your expiration of your current card i figured okay that sounds reasonable so i try to do it and now i might not be legal by the time i get there <laughs> so it's yeah. it's such weird that's, stuff man and guess what Everywhere I drive in between, if I hypothetically had anything, uh, even CBD in some areas, it's still not explicitly legal, um, and they could mistake it for you know TAC. I could go to jail. It's a felony. My my girlfriend and dog will be stranded on the side of the road with the car, and I'll be taken away. A disabled veteran because I have a uh, in jail because of a plant, right. and and it, and it happens. There is a guy he I I think he was just released, um, and it was the same thing. He was on a road trip with his wife and kids and traveling across the country. Had some cannabis with them, crossed an imaginary line, and that's and the state of Alabama said you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't make any sense. And over time, it, that that should dissolve, but <laughs> it, it's crazy. We'll see. Yeah, we we even had like here in Canada. I mean, I'm sure you know there's a lot of snowbirds that come down. Yeah. Um, for the winter. I love them. I love honestly Good. some I, of the coolest, nicest people that I see. These Canadians in big RVs or happy-go-lucky people, just cheerful. Like I've run into Canadians on the road in such random ways, and it, that's amazing. honestly usually happier to run into a Canadian than another American. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of them were medical patients and they were doing really, really great at our clinic. Um, and then they, of course, said, well, we're snowbirds. We're, we go down to Florida every year. Now what do we do? And we said, well, you can't bring it with you. And then they're like, well, how would they know? And I said, look, <laughs> Eddie, you're 82. Don't bring your cannabis over the federal border. That's not a good idea. Um and we we had to like work around we had to give them referral to their family doctor so that they can prescribe them nabalone so that now they can take nabalone over which is less effective right of course i tried that i couldn't find a doctor to do it i asked my surgeon that did my back surgery i'm like look what if i have to travel like what if i what if i can't get a consistent supply of medicine i can't drive and get it because of my back and my girlfriend's not my caregiver that costs another hundred dollars like all these crazy things i'm like you know, she can pick up my, my opioids. She just tells them, you know, tells them my date of name and date of birth, and she, but she can't get my cannabis. So um, 
and delivery, sometimes the products available for delivery aren't the same as what's in store. So, I mean, we're really in this situation where I, I didn't know if I could legally stay uh, medicated and, and, and not be in excruciating pain. Um, and they're like, well, we'll give you pain meds. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's not what I want. I, I know during the surgery and maybe 12 hours post-op when I have eight staples holding my stomach together and back sure. together that I may want a pain med. Okay, something stronger. But I don't want to be taking that weeks after the surgery like I did when I was in the service. So, you know, can you prescribe me Marinol, Nabilone, any other, you know, synthetic TAC derivatives? They're like, well, I would, I just don't know enough about it. And I'm like, well, just prescribe me like an average amount or, you know, whatever you're comfortable. And they just didn't know enough information. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't budge. They're like, keep using your cannabis. I'm like, you don't understand. It's not as easy to get as these pharmaceuticals that are clearly more harmful yeah. So that doesn't that it's crazy, but that's going to change with education, too. Right. I hope so. I try to be an educator to these physicians, any yeah. of them willing to listen. I'll yeah. say, well, hey, I've, you know, I do have studies I can send you that you can read for yourself if you're interested. Yeah. But they they're going to close their ears. Right. Until they see mm-hmm. like it, here's the thing. It wasn't in their textbooks. The endocannabinoid exactly. system did not appear in their textbooks and therefore they don't recognize it. Fortunately, we have some very progressive doctors here in Canada um, that are happy to do research, happy to do continued education, and are very passionate about it. Um, and I saw that a lot in the medical model here in Canada, which is fantastic. That's good to hear. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, new doctors in school are going to be learning more about the endocannabinoid system and learning more about, um, you know, cannabinoid, cannabinoid and alternative medicine. That's the that's the right. positive outlook. But we we you need the couple heroes to really like put their name down and say, right. I'm a doctor, I approve this. Here are my patients. They've been doing well, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's some great ones. Um, Doctor Grinspoon in the U.S. Um, are you familiar with Doctor Hart, Mike Hart? Yes. Yeah. He he has a clinic He's here in London. He's pretty outspoken. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. I listen to I listen to some of his stuff. I like some of the research he posts, and he gets into the psychedelics as well. Yep. Yeah, he, he very very progressive, like you said, right? That reminds me, Canada approved a law to allow a select few of doctors yes. to use and possess psychedelic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms specifically. Yeah. That's incredible. It, it, it's insane. Land of the free, America's land of the free, right? Are you kidding me? No, we're not. <laughs> right. Yeah, that saying was from a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. If we don't have cognitive liberty, we, we don't have liberty. And I think um, letting people have their minds have the freedom of their minds is just a fundamental human right. If we can't have that, everything else is for nothing. Loved that chat. Alex is an absolute wealth of knowledge. And through our conversation, I was able to learn so much more about cannabis policy in the United States. And I hope you learned something too. It was actually a part of a larger conversation about an hour and a half. And uh, I cut it down a little bit because I want to condense things for you guys. If you want to hear more from Alex, you can follow him on LinkedIn at Alex Popoff. You can also chat with him through his company, Good Ideas. If you want to hear more from me, of course, you can visit my website, coffeecannabis.ca. Subscribe through Spotify or through Apple Podcasts. I'm also on Instagram at coffeecannabisca if you want to stay tuned for updates. I'll see you next time.